So listen, as some of you guys know, last Sunday uh, after church, Kyle Woobs, actually these three guys over here, uh, Austin and Noah, we all hit the road and we drove down to uh, North Carolina to attend a summer camp, a youth summer camp. Now, this summer camp that we went to was actually led by the youth ministry that Jennifer and I led for eight years. Actually, I led for 10 years, but together we led it for eight years. And we obviously were in that position up until 11 months ago when we moved here to Maine. So... Listen, while we were sitting there at the camp or while I was sitting in the camp, I kept thinking about how grateful I was to have the opportunity just to spend time with some people that's, uh, in all honesty, that we are closer to than we are our own family. How many of you guys know that when you make a spiritual connection with people, it, it makes a difference, right? So listen, it was also great to see the people that Jen and I have faithfully discipled, that we faithfully did life with, still to watch them literally just excel and to be leading in the kingdom of God. Now, I think maybe more than anything else, it was extremely encouraging to see that the ministry that we have poured our lives into for over eight years literally hadn't missed a beat spiritually. That's encouraging. Yes, it means that we did something right while we were there is what that means. So listen, while we were there at the camp, and I think these guys will tell you, but you know, typically when you go to youth camp, I've been to, there's no telling how many. You know, when you go in there the first night when pre-service prayer starts, it's almost like you got to climb the mountain for a minute before you can get to the summit and enjoy it. But it was almost immediately, man, it was like they said, we're going to pray. Whew. It was like Jesus just stepped in the room. And what was so awesome, it was like literally that from Monday all the way to the last, uh, last amen on Wednesday night, we got to, at least in my opinion, enjoy the tangible presence of God. And in fact, uh, I'll say this, and I hope you uh, just hear this with the right heart, please. But the first night, uh, Jen texted me and said, hey, how was service? And, and my response to her was this, is simply this, is service felt like home because it felt like him. Are you with me? And it's really good when you walk in a room and you know without a doubt that, man, that God's in the house. Amen. And so basically on our last nine, this is kind of why I'm saying all this. I sat down behind a keyboard and, you, you know, once again, you, you know, when you've been a leader place that long, nobody really tells you what to do. You just kind of get to walk in a room and hang out. It's pretty fun. But I sat behind the keyboard, but I, I got me and intentionally I picked a view. So I kind of watched the room and just kind of see what was happening. You, you know, as I sat there, I began to think about the amazing worship that we had experienced for uh, the last three days. And, and uh, my friend Israel that preached, man, he, he can preach the wallpaper off the wall. So that was pretty awesome. And just what really accumulates, too, is just really powerful times in the altar. Because that's really where it's at, man, is, is getting the opportunity to pray for people and watch heaven come. In fact, I don't, I don't know how you feel about it, but in my opinion, there's nothing better than seeing God's power and God's presence touch and change people's lives. Amen? So, you know, it's pretty neat to sit back and watch as... As, uh, you know, I, I'll just kind of tell you whatever, so you kind of get it. The first time he talked about a millstone, and he talked about when uh, Abimelech basically had the millstone dropped on his head and he got killed, right? So he preached on drop it like it's hot. I think that's what it was. <laughs> Y'all don't even know what that is. That's awesome. That's good. Stay pure. Anyway, so... So it was pretty powerful just at the altar time to watch kids come up and grab a rock and make their way out, out literally out of the sanctuary and watch these kids drop a rock or throw a rock just to release the pain, release the hurt, release all the stuff. And it's so amazing to watch as someone just makes a simple act of obedience of chunking a rock to watch the power of God hit them and just see them break. That's fun. Yes. And it was pretty awesome to watch even, uh, you know, to watch words of knowledge kind of come forth. In fact, when... One word of knowledge, I'll just say it like this, is basically that there was a blood disease disorder in the blood that came. Now, the, the guy that's visiting lives in Los Angeles. He don't have a clue of anybody in the room. And, and actually, only one night, this little young man came in, uh, 11 years old, and he actually has HIV. 
And to watch Jesus, you know, just touch that kid and see the power of God hit him. I don't know. Uh, me personally, I'm believing for a really good report that he'll go back to the dock and believe that he was healed. But it was so awesome as the leader of this group for so many years to watch as this guy, once again, who doesn't know any of them, just get words of knowledge and just start pinpointing things in their life and watching God just minister to people. If it was him just falling to the ground, weeping, or them going out in the spirit, just a really good week. Are you with me? So, but listen, as, as I know, I, that's really... You'd have to really be there, right? Yeah, you had to be there. So, but listen, I, I found myself while I was sitting on that little stool behind the keyboard. Here's what I found myself praying. I just, I just found myself praying, God, unless you're going to do that in Maine, unless you're going to do this in Maine, God, take us somewhere else. God, unless you're going to do that here, these crew right here, God, get us out of here. Hopefully you can hear that in the right way. Because, listen, you got to understand that prayer isn't an indictment on anyone here, and it's not an indictment on, on who we are as a church. I personally think you guys are amazing. I think we're more amazing together. But what that prayer is is this. It's a, it's a longing and it's a hunger and it's a desire to live in the spot uh, where we uh, literally get to live a life with what Jesus made available to us through his death and resurrection. Are you all with me today? So, listen, most of you guys don't know, but when Jennifer and I, just kind of give you a little background here. When Jennifer and I were actually asked to take that youth ministry that I'm talking about uh, at Covenant Love, the youth ministry didn't resemble anything, anything like what I'm talking about today. And these guys will tell you, all right? But uh, I remember when, when basically Pastor Al asked us to take the position, we walked in, there was 35 students, and I'm not sure if one of them loved Jesus. Is that okay to say that? Yes. All right. Anyways, I won't hurt nobody's feelings. Anyway, so... Listen, it was deader than a doornail, and God's tangible presence was nowhere to be found. In fact, I'll be honest with you, it was awful. It's pretty bad when, when uh, you as the pastor don't want to go to church. Okay, but there's this thing inside of me, unless he comes, I don't want to go. Yes, there's no reason to go to church if Jesus isn't going to show up. Amen. So listen, so shortly after we agreed to take that position, I might have told you this before, but I remember one Sunday morning, basically walking into the main sanctuary and our uh, senior associate pastor, Dr. Ralph, he asked me, so Quentin, how's it going back there? And from a position of just being so disheartened by what we were experiencing, I answered, I said, to be honest with you, Doc, I said, I feel like I'm standing at the bottom of Mount Everest looking up. Because I felt like, man, that the, the assignment that was ahead of us was so daunting, so enormous, so intimidating and impossible. And I really felt, to be honest with you, I felt really unequipped and unqualified to lead the change that that youth ministry desperately needed. Anybody ever been there? But, uh, you know, how many of you guys know at the same time, God still specializes in the impossible? Amen. So, listen, as soon as those words left my mouth of this, is I feel like I'm standing at the mount of at the bottom of Mount Everest looking up, I heard the Lord speak to my heart, Psalms 97.5, and he said this, Clear as a bell, yeah, Quentin, but even the mountains melt like wax in my presence. Good truth, right? Yes? Good truth. And so, you know, at that moment, I honestly, I, I can't express to you, it, it's so weird to be in a spot where you feel so hopeless, but at the same time, hope floods your heart. Right. It's just just this God thing where you just know, man, God's moving. And and I'd love to stay here honestly today and tell you that things changed immediately, but they didn't. The next week, it was the same 35 spiritually dead students filled the room. Right. 
trying to act all lean against the wall, sleeping while you're preaching, whatever. Anyways, I still have that anointing, by the way, some Sundays. Anyway, so literally, same 35 students, God's tangible presence, man, uh, wasn't anywhere to be found. Worship was like pulling teeth. Preaching was a painful task. But deep down in my heart, I had a hope. With me, it's something about that word, when God spoke that scripture, it gave me something to sink my spiritual teeth in. Right. It allowed me literally to sink our faith into that one word that God promised us change. Now, over time, as we were faithful and I'm going to tell you, it was work. Okay, but over time, as we faithfully faithfully means you do it a whole lot. Right. So as we literally prayed, worship and preached our guts out as we were really faithful and consistent and building relationships and just authentic, genuine relationships and disciple people, things slowly begin to change. In fact, the best way I can say it is this is like slowly but surely it was almost let me kind of give you a picture, almost like there was a dam that began to a little bit of water began to trickle and then it began to get a little bit more until finally that dam broke. And it was literally like we began to experience an open heaven. And obviously it wasn't amazing every week but there was these seasons and these times where you just knew god was moving and it it was this that we didn't have to go to camp to experience that but we began spirit experiencing on wednesdays and sundays as a youth ministry for women they say oh yeah and the cool part is this is basically is we got to see the kingdom of god in action now this isn't the major thing i want to focus on but it's a point that i do want to make clear because from that 35 students All the way to, I think, our highest night that we ever had was 296. Are you with me? Because here's why. Because when things get healthy, they grow. Amen. Amen. And so as a church, we're going to grow. Amen. Amen. So listen, it's this sense that, I'll just say it this way. It was just an amazing experience and a joy to experience a life that was under an open heaven. And it was so neat from our angle to literally watch as hundreds of lives were changed. I mean, there's no really other way to put it where God changed hundreds. And, you know, you got to think in youth ministry, every year you're losing a quarter of your people because they graduate and leave. Are you all with me? So it's pretty neat, you know, and I, you know, I think about Noah all the time. That that dude would go home and spend three hours in prayer after church, I mean, after school. You don't, you don't get kids like that. Are you with me? They're too busy going home and playing video games for three hours. But he wanted Jesus. Yeah? Amen? Are you all with me? So, listen, I tell you all that to say this. As I, as I sat by that keyboard, behind that keyboard on Wednesday night, under an open heaven, I reminded myself of this. God, you did it before. I believe you can do it again. You know, and that's really today the hope that I have. Amen? It's kind of like this, and don't take me wrong, but as this family right here, I personally refuse to believe that God's going to uproot us from an awesome culture and an awesome place, and he's going to force us to live a life where we look in the rearview mirror. I don't think God's not that way, right? But watch this. But I recognize that God has deposited stuff in us from that season that we were in, and he's called us to this area to bring something. Amen? Just let me shoot straight with you today. Probably the most challenging comment that's been made uh, to me since I've been here. I was talking to a pastor friend from Alabama, Pastor Scott, and uh, these guys know him very well. And Pastor Scott told me this. He said, Quentin, if you go there and basically if you become like them, hear this with really big grace, okay? Then basically what's inside of you and what God has deposited inside of you, the vision, then basically what will happen is, is that will die. And basically God will never do the reason he brought you there. 
You know, a lot of people go, that's that crazy guy from Alabama, blah, blah, blah. But I just believe God called us here because there's something that's a part, a part of our DNA that he's established in us that he desires to bring here. Now, let me just shoot straight with you. I don't know, but when I look at the city, I think something needs to happen different. Let, let, let me just shoot all the more straight with you. We didn't become the 50th of 50 states in Christianity because we had it going on. Are you all with me? But, but here's the awesome part is God has not just brought us, but he's brought you here to help bring that to this region. Amen. Because there's no it, it isn't ever one man and one woman. It's, it's a body. It's a family that literally has the ability to affect and change a culture. Amen. So please don't misunderstand what I'm telling you today, because I realize there's a lot of wiggle room. And, and really today I was just like, Jesus, please don't let people Hear something that I'm not saying. Okay, I understand this is really fragile. In fact, I was going to start off with today of this, saying, hey, look, I'm going to be honest with you today and maybe a little bit more vulnerable, and I'm going to ask you for grace. So I didn't ask you up top, but I'm asking you now. All right? Give me some grace. All right? But I don't want you to misunderstand this. I, I think we as a group are way, 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 a thousand times better off than that youth ministry that we took responsibility of years ago. Okay, look, we're not even on the same planet there, okay? So I'm not comparing here to there. That's not what I'm doing. And I'm not saying, you know, let me say it this way. I'm completely aware that North Carolina and Maine are two different worlds. Completely aware of that, okay? And I'm completely aware that covenant love and celebration life aren't called to do the same thing. Okay, I get all that, all right? But I also know God well enough to know that His Spirit, His kingdom, and His anointing are the same everywhere. Are you with me? Does that make, does that make sense, y'all, you guys? I realize there's differences, but, man, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of God. Yeah? So, listen, I'm also completely aware, and, and this just be me being honest, and this is me even owning things personally as a leader, but there's more for us than what we're currently experiencing. Amen? Listen, I'm also convinced that if we're going to go where God wants us to go, it's going to require us to do things different. Let me maybe say this, things different than we've grown accustomed to doing. In other words, it's become so second nature. It's, let me maybe just shoot straight away. It's become so second nature, it's become our excuses. Okay? Y'all okay? <laughs> but watch this. That's even for me. Because there's things when, see, when I go to the prayer clause, in fact, when all you guys aren't here, this is normally where I'm getting it. Right here. Trying to get my Fitbit steps while I pray. All right, here we go. So... <laughs> So I'm praying, and, and I can't tell you how many times that I know in my own heart, there's things this guy's got to do different. There is, and I've got to own it, just like you got to own it. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. All right, so um, let me just say this. Are you all okay? Yeah. I'm getting some looks. All right. <laughs> so just to be honest with you this morning, I feel like we are standing at the bottom of Mount Everest again looking up. And let me maybe explain to you why. Because I don't believe God called us here to just pastor a church and live a good life. I honestly, guys, from God, I believe he called us here to affect a region. I do. Man, as much as I believe that I am saved, I believe that. So in me, I have to tell you, I feel very unequipped and unqualified to do that. I don't have a clue how it's going to happen. But here's the difference. I don't stand here today looking up Mount Everest disheartened uh, because now I have a history with the one who does what? Makes the impossible the possible. I can already look back in the rearview mirror of my life and go, God, I've seen you do it before. I believe you can do it again. Amen? 
All right. Y'all ready for a sermon? Have you found 1 Kings 22 yet? All right. So let me just shoot straight with you here. Um, I've been doing that all day. All right. So um, this is actually a message that, that we heard while we were at camp. Now, I kind of, I, I sat there, watch this. I'm sitting there on the back row, Kyle and I are, because we're the old guys in the room, right? So old people, they sit near the sound booth. I'm not telling you anything, Jim, but I'm just saying, with old people, we, we, we sit near the sound booth. I love you, dude. Anyway, so I'm sitting there, and, and I'm listening to a message that's designed for teenagers. And I just start crying. So, because it, so, it was so where we are at and where I'm at. And I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. And so today, I'm going to do something that I honestly, General Tay, I normally don't do this. Um, but I feel like we need to deposit what we heard here. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. All right, so let's set this up. First Kings chapter 22. Uh, listen, when we read the history... Uh, of Israel, we find that there was men or kings that led the nation, right? Some of those kings were really good kings, meaning that they had a heart uh, that was after God's ways. Other kings were, were evil kings, meaning that their hearts were far away from God and their hearts were far away from God's ways. And one of those evil kings was a, na- a man named this, and you, most of you probably heard of him before, but his name's Ahab. Ahab was the seventh king of Israel. And uh, most of us kind of equate uh, Ahab with the lady that he was married to, the crazy chick he was married to, uh, Jezebel. All right. And so but we also know not only was he married to Jezebel, but this guy was also uh, the number one nemesis of Elijah, the prophet. Right. So listen, uh, this was the guy that introduced Baal worship basically to Israel. So he, he opened the, the floodgates for that. And uh, the Bible makes it very clear that because of his idolatry, lust, and covetousness, uh, he can, is considered to be the most evil king that ever reigned over Israel. So let, listen, let me maybe say it this way, that this man's evil influence basically influenced the whole nation of Israel to turn to wickedness. You tell me that we don't need to pray who we vote for. All right, so let's look at 1 Kings chapter 22, reading verses 29 through 35. If you with me, say, oh yeah. oh, yeah. 29 through 35. Here we go. It says, so King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. And then it says in verse 30, it says, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, as we go into battle, I will disguise. Somebody say disguise. I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me, but you wear your royal robes. It says, so the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. I'll give you a little background here. Uh, right before this, uh, the prophet Micaiah uh, prophesied to him that he would die in battle. And so this guy thought he'd be slick and put on some different clothes so nobody would know who he was and it would protect him uh, from basically what was prophesied. Somebody said it doesn't work that way. Verse 31, it says, meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued these orders to his 32 chariot commanders. You military people, grab a hold of this. That Literally, they issued these orders to his 32 chariot commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. In other words, forget about everybody else on the battlefield. You find that guy and you you unleash hell on that dude. Are you all following me today? And then it says this. It says in verse 32... So when Aramean, 
I hope I said it right. Aramean chariot commander saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes. They went after him. This is the king of Israel, they shouted. In other words, they thought it was Ahab. It says, but when Jehoshaphat called out, in other words, when he screamed like a little girl, because that first arrow came at him, it says the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, and they stopped chasing him. Verse 34, we're almost done. It says, an Aramean soldier, Aramean, I don't know why I'm getting tongue-tied today, an Aramean soldier, this is the guy I want to focus on. Somebody say soldier. soldier. It says, however, randomly shot. How many of you guys can believe with me today that God probably told him to shoot? It says that he randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel. Do you understand that? In other words, Jehoshaphat was over there and they were all unleashing it there. And he decided to turn and fire one off in the crowd. And I just personally believe that, you know what, that God has a way of grabbing that arrow and guiding it. Just the way he grabbed that stone and guided that when it came to Goliath. Amen. So it says basically an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel. In other words, he hit Ahab between the joints or a small gap in his arm. In other words, there wasn't another place that this man could be struck that would do him damage. And the arrow found the spot, that random shot found the spot. And this is what happened. It says, turn the horses and get me out of here, Ahab groaned. To the driver of his chariot, I'm badly wounded. And verse 35 says, The battle raged all that day, and the king remained propped up in his chariot, facing the armies. And it says, The blood from his wound ran down to the floor of, of his chariot, and as evening arrived, he died. And you can find there at the end of that portion of Scripture, it says, Just as the Lord had promised. Now watch this. Kind of add something just for Visual stakes and why you'd want this. I don't know. But anyways, uh, right before this in chapter 21, Elijah actually prophesied to him, came face to face with him and said, said basically the same way that the blood uh, licked up Nabas, this guy had murdered for, so he could get his vineyard. Same way the dogs licked up his blood, the dogs will lick up your blood. And it says right there that uh, literally that when they died, that when he died, that the dogs came and licked up his blood just as the Lord commanded. You can't hide from him, right? <laughs> All right, so now what does this have to do with us? All right, so I want us to see ourselves uh, as the soldier whom God chose or used to shoot the arrow to kill the evil king Ahab. Everybody with me? That I want us to see us as that, that guy that randomly shot uh, this arrow. In fact, I believe this, that there's six things from this certain passage uh, that we must will it, be willing to do if we're going to say yes to where God wants us to go as a church body. Amen? So, number one, the first thing that we must be willing to do, let's get practical here. The first thing we must be willing to do is to show up for battle. So simple. Can you imagine what would happen if our unnamed soldier here decided that, you know what, uh, I don't think I'm going to show up that day. What would have happened if he decided to sleep late? What would have happened if he decided to go fishing instead? Go with me. What would have happened if he thought, you know, God knows my heart. I, I, I just think I'm going to do something else today. I, I'd rather do that. So, listen, I think we would all agree that in the American culture, we lack commitment. I have pastor friends all around this nation. They will say this is a common denominator in churches today. And really what I'm getting to, and I know I'm going to step on some toes, and it's all right. But even when it comes to our church attendance, listen, the churches that we believe God has planted us in, we lack commitment. Now, listen, I understand that things come up and sometimes our jobs don't allow us to do things. I get all that and I'm fine with every bit of that, okay? I'm a, definitely a very graceful guy, a merciful guy. If you want to go fishing, go fishing. Just don't make a habit of it. 
That's really what I'm saying to you today. And the reason is, is because we need to remember what the Bible says. The Bible actually says in 1 Timothy that the church is the pillar of the faith. Do you know that? That the church is the pillar of the faith. We all know the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 24, 25, it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It's talking about the church, guys. It says, as in the manner of some. Your translation might say, as some are in the habit of doing. Meaning that people are finding themselves a habit that basically that they don't uh, regularly attend church. And then it says, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. In other words, he's saying this. He's saying, if you think you need it now, just wait. You're going to need it a whole lot more as we progress because the way this thing's going. So listen, we definitely live in a day, if we'd like to believe it or not, where we need each other that we're sitting shoulder to shoulder to right now. Right? We need a community of believers that can walk with us and do life with us. Amen? Listen, I I don't know about you. Let me just kind of give something really practical. But a verse that always sticks out to me in this, it says that he who is planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Anybody know that verse? Anybody know that verse? Come on, wake up. Anybody know that? Y'all are like, don't don't talk to me. (laughs) Listen, my mom is like this great, like, I don't know, plant lady, all right? I mean, she got, like, green thumbs. She's amazing, all right? And uh, when I go to my mom's house, okay, she took this house that was just, like, barren, and now it looks like a jungle, all right, in a good way. Like, they cut the grass and all that, okay? All right, so anyways, but all these beautiful exotic flowers, and she just loves this. But when I go to my mom's house, I don't see her uh, waking up every morning, snatching a flower out of the ground, going, putting it over here. Then come over here and snatch that one out of the ground, put it over here. The next day, snatch that one back up and go put it over here. Are you with me? Listen, God calls us to be a part of a local body where we get planted and let our roots go deep so we can flourish and grow. That's for our own good. Amen. God hasn't called us to run all over the place. All right. He's called us to be planted. Now, listen, I'm going to say this. If it's here, hallelujah. If it's somewhere else, hallelujah. Just get planted. Amen. Please, for your own sake. All right. So then, let me maybe say this to you, okay? Let me kind of give you some reasons why. Two weeks ago, I called a man from our church, and I called to check on a family member that was sick in his family, somebody that they were really worried about. And, and as I was talking to him, we, we kind of handled the current situation as far as in our conversation because he really wanted to tell me something. He said, Pastor, I want to thank you uh, because a few weeks ago when we were in church, he said, i got to be honest with you, I woke up that morning and I didn't want to come. He said, I've been struggling, I was depressed, I was just fighting, and, and man, my, my flesh was really working me over. He said, I did not, did not, did not want to come to church. He goes, but I made myself come. And I came in, I sat there, and it was the Sunday morning that I came in and I said, man, I feel like there's something, First Peter 5, 7, cast your cares upon the Lord, blah, blah, blah. And we had an altar call. This guy literally comes up to the altar call and, and he stood right here. He's not some exuberant, uh, you know, fella. He just stood here. In fact, I remember Jen said, hey, uh, nobody pray for Mr. So-and-so. Can you pray for him? I went to go pray for him because I already went back to a seat. And I got about right here, and, and the Lord stopped me, and I prayed for a couple. And then I kind of went on with it, and I forgot totally that about that. So I called him, and he said this. He goes, I just want you to know today. I kind of transitioned and kind of closed in prayer. He said, thank you for being obedient that day, because whatever had me for weeks, that day when you prayed, that thing broke off of me, and I've been doing great since. Are you with me? But here's, here's the reason I say that, is to say this, is what happened, what would happen if he decided not to come? 
he would have missed what God really wanted to do to his life. Because unfortunately, I don't get it. But for some reason, people have a habit of when things go wrong, they stay away from God's house. When things are going wrong, that's the first place you need to be. Amen? In fact, I'll say this. Over all the years that I've done counseling and ministry, I'm almost two decades now, almost every person that I counsel that just can't get their junk together don't know how to attend church regularly. That's truth, guys. And there's that spot where, and I know it may sound really bad, and I'm not, you know, slamming anybody, but there's almost times where you sit down at counseling appointments and people just want a quick fix and they're not willing to do it God's way. And you just kind of know as a pastor, it doesn't matter what you give them. At the end of the day, they're going to be struggling. They're, they're already setting themselves up to fail. Now, listen, I'm not saying that going to church fixes everything because it certainly doesn't. But, but something does change when you come and you're hungry and you're wanting to grow. In fact, let me maybe even throw this out there at you. The Bible says that from the pastor's standpoint, it's going to sound a little... A little self-serving, and I don't mean it to, but it's our job to equip you guys to do the work of the ministry. Can, can, you, can you imagine, and to be overseers, there's all these responsibilities that we have to answer to God for that scares the mess out of me personally. I don't take this lightly at all, at all, at all, because I know it's going to be me and him one day, and i gotta, I got to answer to some things. But there's that side that you go, you know what? Um, if people only show up occasionally, how are they really going to be effectively equipped? In fact, actually the word equipped there actually means that there's a, that there's a joint that's dislocated. I have personally dislocated the shoulder 14 times. So I know what it's like to have a joint out of order and it be stuck and you can't move it, okay? And so, listen, what happens is in that scripture in Ephesians 4 is actually talking about that it's the minister's job to take you and to pop you back in place and really to relocate you in the body of Christ so that you can be fruitful in the kingdom. Y'all okay with that? I'm glad the front row likes it. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, so watch this. Um, man, I got to hustle. Here we go. So yesterday I was literally sitting back and I was thinking about, uh, man, what would have happened if I decided not to go to North Carolina, if I decided not to go to, North, uh, to camp? Because originally Noah and I talked, and, and then we said, no, I'm not going to go, and I drug my feet for a while. He was going to get a plane ticket, and I somehow coaxed the rest of the people into going uh, to justify enough people in the car to drive down 36-and-a-half-hour trip, right? So, yeah, there and back. Yes. So, listen, if... What if I would decide that there was too many inconveniences involved? You know, once again, too far to drive, too much money, uh, too much to do here, not a good time. And uh, I'm here to tell you that if I would have decided not to show up for battle, I wouldn't have positioned myself not only to receive from God, but also to be used by Him as well. Let me explain to you real quick, okay? Two weeks ago, we were moving, right? So we were moving, and I was uh, packing up our gear because we certainly have a lot of it. And uh, I was packing up, and I found two arrows. Those arrows uh, are very meaningful. They're just cheap little Walmart arrows. But well, what happened was is when Jennifer and I had our little girl, she's nine now, uh, she was born in June, and a few weeks after that was Father's Day, Jennifer bought me an arrow because the Scripture that says that children are like arrows in your quiver. Okay, and the Scripture and just Happy Father's Day. So a real special moment, okay? And then... Uh, uh, so, and then when we had the next one, we had Caden, uh, you know, Caden was born November, you know, whatever, Father's Day in June, she got me another arrow. Somewhere after Caden, things got lost, because three and four came, no arrow came with it, all right? Uh, the quiver officially became two full, and so we were good, right? Anyway, so, so watch this, so I'm literally in the garage, and, I'm, and I grab these two arrows, and I go, I go, Lord, 
I really need to get two other arrows. Because I thought about it would be cool to kind of put them up. But it would be a little chinchy to only put up two when you got four. So, look, if you're feeling guilty, this isn't the time to repent, all right? Anyway, so, <laughs> you're good. All right, so watch this. All right, watch this. So, listen, so I go to North Carolina and I'm sitting in a service. The last night, this family came that it was their, the only, the only service they came to, okay? They came, they came rolling in deep. They got, uh, they have, I don't know how many was with them, but they have 12 kids in total and some of the McKenzie's. And so they have, um, yeah, no, they had eight with them. So they have eight adopted children, okay? So they had the eight adopted children with them and they come rolling in and I'm sitting there and service is over and Julia walks up to me with this thing, uh, wrapped in, Wrapped in, uh, in newspaper, and she just got less literally two weeks ago. She was on vacation in Arizona. And she said that God spoke to her and said, "Buy those arrows." She said, "Lord, I don't want those arrows." And the Lord said, "Lord said, buy them." He, she said, "Actually, the Lord wouldn't leave her alone." And so, so she bought them. This, this is people that are really close with us. That she bought them, and she goes, "Okay, God, I don't know who they're for." So, listen, I even stopped by her house that day to see the kids. Arrows didn't come up. She comes to church that night, and God speaks to her and says, they're for Quentin. Give them to him. And so she had no clue what I told the Lord, uh, literally, I mean, a handful of days before that. And, uh, and so she, she gave them to me. It's just like, man, Jesus, thanks for being so personal. Yeah, and what's so funny is, is to show you how unimportant they were to her, she hadn't even got them out of the truck yet. They'd been home for a few days. She, she just still had them sitting in there. So, so God bless me with two arrows. So now Jude and Luke, they're part of the family. Amen? So, so let, let me show you this. So that's the part of being in a position to receive. And I'm going to be honest with you. Let, let, I'll just, you guys don't know how much I needed last week. Let me even say it this way. You don't know how much you needed me to have last week. <laughs> Amen. So it was, a, it was a great time of receiving. But, but also, once again, when you position yourself and you show up for battle, two things happen. It's not just about what you can get. It's also about what you give. Amen. So li- listen, while we were sitting there the first night, uh, the young man that, that uh, took my spot, spiritual son, his name is Josh. He married a beautiful girl from Ethiopia. Her name is Blaine. And Blaine came over. I don't know, a few years ago to college and uh, Methodist University. It's there in our town. And, and she got her degree. And after she graduated, they hooked up. All right. So they got married. And so now they're in the position. But what happened was the first night I was after we were praying for people, God was doing things. I, I remember I turned and I, and I just glanced like this. If you're prophetic in here, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. But it was like I just kind of went like this and she was there and I saw her in like this glimpse as a person, you know, obviously her standing, but I saw baskets all around her. And immediately the scripture that talked about Saul, about him hiding in the baskets came in my heart and I knew that she'd been hiding in the baskets and God was calling her out. Okay. So I didn't say anything that night. Most time when God shows me stuff, I don't, I normally don't say anything. So that was the first night, second night, third night, the Lord put in my heart. I thought I was done. I hadn't touched the mic all week. It was good. And I was just sitting there, and Pastor Josh and I were talking. He was kind of like, hey, PQ, what do I do now? And then he started mentioning his kid. And in the middle of that, I'm sitting there, and I just felt like, man, I need to pray for the team. Like, I need, I need to pray for the team in front of all these kids because things need to shift. So I'm trying to make a long story really short. So we call them up. It's Mike. It's Blaine. It's uh, Josh. It's uh, Sam, Lane, and Rob. That's the youth ministry staff, okay? 
Anyway, so we just start praying for them. There's some things I talked to them about. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. Typically, when God gives me a word for somebody, I just kind of go to them and say, hey, you know, Jesus said blah, blah, blah. Or for an altar, I do this. And then I talk to them. But I was like, okay, we're going, to, we're going to do it like this. Okay, we're going to go with it, God. And so as I begin to pray for this girl who's Ethiopia, she is, listen, drop-dead gorgeous, beautiful girl. Yes, beautiful, pure inside, outside, amazing. As I began to pray for her, I said, here's what I saw, blah, blah, blah. She started crying. And then I started talking about how I literally stopped and said, have you gotten your citizenship yet? Maybe not what you need to ask somebody right in front of a whole bunch of people, right? And we were in the moment, right? And she said, nope. I said, okay. And the Lord began to speak to me how she wasn't a, in the, in the same way that she's not a, a second-class citizen in America, she's not a second-class citizen in the kingdom. Are you following me? And, and this little girl began to cry and all that, but I could tell she was wrestling. So watch this. Long story short, service is over. She goes back to her room. Josh comes back in, and I said, hey, is she, is she okay? He said, we came in, he said that when he went in the room, she said this. Did you tell PQ about citizenship, about me feeling like I am a, literally, me feeling like I'm a second-rate or second-hand citizen? And he said, babe, I didn't say nothing. That was God. Are right, you hearing me? So literally, God's like, come out of the baskets, and here's the way I see you, right? Next day, I talked to her, and I said, you know, the Lord spoke to me this morning, and I just feel like you're like Esther. She texts me and goes, hey, I started a Bible reading plan today. It's an Esther. So, so listen, it's kind of those things that, listen, as you, as you prepare, or as you, let me say this, as you show up for a battle, guess what? You not only get, you know, to receive, but you're literally position yourself for an opportunity for God to use you as well. Amen? Amen. All right, so am I making sense to you guys today? So somebody turn to your neighbor and say, we need to show up for battle. Second thing we must be willing to do is this. And i got to hustle. We're going to go real fast. Second thing we need to do is we need to bring our weapon. We need to bring our weapon. You military people, you get this. But can you imagine showing up for battle and going, I left my weapon at home. I mean, literally, there's that moment. Watch this. There's that moment. God can say, you know, this is the guy that I've chosen to kill Ahab. But if he left his weapon at home, what's he going to kill him with? He's going to snatch off a shoe and throw it? Are you with me? So how many of you guys know today that the Bible says that one of our weapons is our praise and worship? Wave your hand at me if you know that. How many of you know that? Come on, wake up. Let's go. So listen, how many times does the Bible say that the Israelites literally sent out the Levites, the worshipers, right? Before, somebody say before. Before they sent out the armies. And how many times did their praise confuse and defeat their enemy? How many times, Lord, do you read the Bible and you see that as they begin to shout and praise unto God, that literally confusion would hit the camp and they would just start killing each other? You know how weird that is? So listen, remember the time when Paul and Silas lifted up their voice to God, right? The Bible says that, that the prison was shaken, right? And not only, watch this, not only were they set free... But everyone around them, even those who were not connected to God, were set free. See, sometimes, I just want to remind you today, we need to remember that our praise and our worship isn't just about us. Amen. But there's something about when we come into God's house with our weapon, passionate, hungry, desiring to meet with God, that literally the atmosphere changes and miracles get to come. Right. The heaven begins to open. And, you know, you may be sitting here doing your thing, but that person over there, man, gets free of whatever addiction, whatever's been going on in their life. Jesus heals them. Are y'all with me today? Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, we need to bring our weapons. You funny. Let me say this before we move on right there. 
when I'm in church and it's time to worship, I mean, I can tell you, I'll be honest, there's a reason I come and stand by this guy and worship. Okay? First of all, he sings so loud, he kind of blocks off what I'm doing. Okay? <laughs> so, thank God. All right, so today, no joke, I heard the male's voice coming, I thought it was coming through the system and it was just him. So, I was like... You're actually harmonizing pretty good in that moment, too. But, but listen, there's something about me personally. If I'm in church, I'm going to go and I'm going to stand beside people that are worshipers. The reason is because when I go and I go stand beside somebody who's not a worshiper, it feels like, Ugh. I just feel this weight on me. And there's something about when we get in agreement, we begin to worship God. Guess what? Heaven comes. I already said that. But remember what happened, I don't know, a few weeks ago. When we start praying for healing with people, and I challenge you, hey, guys, remember how that guy ripped the roof off and they, the four friends and they went in? And remember the atmosphere shifted? We need to remember that every Sunday. Amen? Because, honestly, this morning, did we come with our weapon? Some of us did. Listen, I don't know about you. Let me be a little bit more clear. I don't want to show up to the battle with an old dull sword. Man, I couldn't even cut a block of cheese with it. And you're going to expect me to kill somebody, but like a blunt force. Ah, you, you know, there's no cutting. I, I want my worship to be sharp and on point. Yes? Amen. All right, here we go. Number third thing we need to do. In fact, let me go ahead. Can you bring up number three? First thing is what? We need to show up for battle. Second thing is we need to bring our weapon. The third thing is, is we need to shoot in the right direction. We need to shoot in the right direction. So what would have happened if he would have continued to shoot in the wrong direction? Somebody say wrong direction. Listen, over the last 19 years, I have witnessed more times than I count well-intended, good-hearted believers absolutely distracted by some kind of disguise of the enemy. Y'all, please listen to this. The enemy is the master of disguise. If you know that's right, say, oh, yeah. Listen, he has successfully pulled our attention away from who the real enemy is way too many times. Let me tell you what I mean. Far too often we focus on what we don't like about church. Far too often we leave church week after week complaining about something, hear me, that has zero eternal value. The enemy has blinded us from seeing what's really important. You know what that is? It's called people. How many times do we leave church? How many times do we get around the dinner table and talk about things that literally that the Lord does not care about? Are you with me? He cares about people, y'all. And we need to grab a hold of the fact that, guess what? If we're going to do God's work here, then we better care about people. It better become the priority. Because you know what? There's a lot of people that need Him here. It's called souls. Right? So that's going to be my number one concern. When I was, as your pastor, my number one concern is the people, not all the rest. Okay? So let's have the same heart and let's care about what God cares about. Amen? Check out this quote. Just a fact. If you want to write down, that's fine. It's probably too wordy anyways. Here we go. Our personal preferences have become obstacles that ultimately hinder us from walking and growing in the unity that God has called us into as a church. Are you hearing me? That our personal preferences have become obstacles. They become the very thing that hinder us from walking in unity as a church. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, we need to be shooting in the right direction. The fourth thing we need to be willing to do is this, is we need to be willing to change. Somebody say, oh, no. Listen, remember 
originally they were shooting arrows at Jehoshaphat, right? Remember, he was in his royal robes. The other guy was in a costume, right, and uh, in disguise. And they're literally, they're shooting arrows at him. And they recognize that's the wrong guy when he screamed like a girl, right? That's the wrong fella. What would have happened, literally, if they said, you know what, we're going to keep, we don't care. We don't want to change. We got our direction. We're going in that way. I've been doing this for 20 years. This is the way I've acted in worship. This is the way I've read the word. This is the way I've acted in church. This is what I've done for 35 years. I'm not going to aim in another direction. Watch this. Ahab would escaped and the promise of God would not have been fulfilled. Amen. So listen, somewhere along the line, they had to do what? They had to be willing to change to find the, their primary target. They had to be willing to change to find the right enemy. So watch this. Um, I think it's this. Let me let me just maybe shoot straight. I'm getting ahead of myself, but. But I think that I would probably be the first person in here to admit that change is difficult. <laughs> Please remember today that this gal, myself, and four children just uprooted from a life that we were pretty comfortable at. I had a really good job, y'all. I had a really good job. Really good job. All right? I had such a good job. I showed up there the other day for uh, a lunch appointment with Pastor Al, and I, and, and I got called into a meeting, and I sat in a meeting for an hour. An hour. I say, man, I must have did that job really good if I'm getting invited into meetings now, right? And they, they got rid of me, and I'm still going to them giving my opinion. This isn't good. So anyways, so listen, this past year has been the greatest, I cannot stretch that enough, the greatest transition that we have ever experienced. And greatest meaning the most difficult. Okay? Are, are you all following me, okay? And I don't say that for a pat on the back, but I'm saying if your pastor is willing to change, come on, guys, let's change. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, I recognize it is a great place. Keep telling everybody it's the way life should be. Here we go. We drove through D.C. the other day for three hours. And I said, boy, I sure am glad I live in Maine. All right. So so anyways, listen, I have recognized, even though this has been a very difficult transition, I, I have recognized that if I refuse to adapt and change, that if I refuse to obey the Lord's leading on my life, that if I refuse to see that it's God that's behind us being here, are you with me? That it's God that brought us to Maine, then I will never fulfill His purpose for my life. You know, cer- certain things, watch this, we buck change. Ah, I don't want to change. But we've got to stop and go, God, are you behind this? Most time He is. And so we've got to be willing to do it, Right? Now, watch this. I'll pick on my friends that are here today. Robbie and Tammy, they moved four hours. It, was it worth it? Yeah, watch this. They, we, thinking, man, you're really comfortable up there in Caribou. You're really comfortable. Everything's going great. Man, you got your you got Dutch Soccer Academy rolling. And guess what? But him being willing to transition and change, it's actually become their dream. They're getting a walk in it now. So what's, listen, so part of what's keeping you guys from your dream is your unwillingness to change. Right? There's, you can lay in bed all the time. God, I want to do this. God, I want to do that. Well, maybe God's trying to do something in you so he can get you to something to be that thing you've been dreaming to be. Amen? Am I making any sense? Thanks, babe. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, we need to embrace change. All right, here we go. Throw up the list again. Number five. Here we go. Help me out. First thing we need to do, we need to show up for battle. Second thing we need to do is we need to bring our weapon. Third thing is we need to shoot in the right direction. Number four, we need to be willing to change. Number five is we need to pass on the credit. Please hear this. This is fast. We're almost done. Y'all hang with me. 
The Bible doesn't tell us what the man's name was, does it? It just says some random fellow, some soldier, pulled back his bow, shot an arrow. Listen, I believe it's possible that he was the kind of man that didn't care who got the credit. Listen, he just wanted to see the enemy defeated. We need more people like that in the kingdom. Can you imagine what would happen if we didn't worry about who got the spotlight, who got the prize, who got the reward, the recognition, who got the credit or who got noticed? Can you imagine what we could do for the kingdom if we would say, you know what, uh, bottom line, I'm just a servant in this thing. Right? If we would understand we're really just the donkey, Jesus is riding. Right? There's not much special about us other than him. Okay? If we could have that kind of humility and quit trying to have a title, quit, let me say this. What would happen if we learned to serve in someone else's ministry instead of needing the spotlight and saying, I got one myself? You with me? Things would change, guys. Yes? Amen. Let me just say this, because the root of that is pride. Right? We all fight it. Let's not, let's don't even lie. We all fight that ugly thing, don't we? Every one of us. But the thing is, is that God exalts the humble. Okay? And, and so if, if you want to be honored by the kingdom, have humility and say, you know what, God, at the end of the day, you get all the glory, you get all the honor. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, God gets all the glory. All right, the sixth and final thing, and we're going to land this thing. Thanks for hanging in there with me today. Number six, we need to keep shooting. Need to keep shooting. See, the Bible doesn't tell us how many times that man shot his arrow. Right? Right? Come on, hang in there with me. But what would happen if he was only willing to shoot once and then he missed? What would happen if he only had the courage to shoot one time? Let me put it this way so we can understand it. What would happen if he said or we said, I already prayed about that situation one time and nothing happened? What would happen if it said, well, you know, I went to that discipleship class. I went to, I went to Cheryl's. I listened to her and you know what? I didn't learn anything. What would happen if we said, you know, I prayed for that person's healing, but they're still sick. I did it once. What would happen if we said I gave my tithe one time, but it didn't work? What would happen if we said, you know, I read that Bible verse one time, and I didn't understand it. What would happen if we said, you know, I already witnessed them once, and they didn't get saved? What would we say if I invited them to church once, and they said no? Gang, we need to keep shooting. We need to keep praying. We need to keep worshiping. We need to keep reading. We need to keep witnessing. We need to keep sowing, keep inviting. We need to keep being faithful. Listen, as, as I was sitting in that church service that night, it's Tuesday night, right? This is preaching. And when he got to this point, this is the point. That, literally, it was like, Jesus, thank you. I needed to hear that. And so there's a dual purpose as I was sitting in the shower yesterday. Because you know if you're on the toilet in the shower, that's where God speaks the most, right? And so... <laughs> it's the throne room. Amen. So listen, as I was sitting there taking a shower, I began, I realized that this thing was a dual purpose from God. Three messages, and that was the point that rocked me. And I realized that God was trying to tell me, son, keep shooting. Keep shooting. Am I making any sense to you guys? Listen, I don't know about you, but I believe that the enemy that resides over this region has a weak spot in his armor. And we've got to keep shooting until we find it. I can't say, well, we gave it one good go. Mm-mm. We're going to keep shooting. We're going to go crazy on this thing, right? Yeah, stand to your feet. Listen, I believe as we, as we shoot and as we keep doing literally those things. Throw, throw up the six for me. Y'all hang in there with me just one second, please. 
Listen, I just believe that if we continue to show up for battle, if we keep bringing our weapon, if we keep shooting in the right direction, talking about unity, if we keep be willing to change, if we keep passing on the credit and giving God the glory, and if we keep shooting, guess what? I think we're going to find that tiny gap in the enemy's armor. So, listen, there's a verse I want to encourage you with today. It's simply this. It says, don't grow weary in your well-doing. For in due season, somebody say due season, you'll reap a harvest. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to keep shooting. So, this morning, let me tell you what really this morning is about, okay? Um, It's really about this. It's Jen, myself, and other people in this room. um, Basically, we just want to invite you uh, to run in the kingdom's direction with us. We're going to invite you to, enjoy, to join the journey. And, uh, and I can say this is I, I don't think it's going to be easy. It never is. It never is easy. Um, in fact, I think it will probably require more of you and more of us than it's ever required before. Amen? Because there's that saying, and you've heard me say it before, and sometimes I get sick of hearing it, but it's true. To do something you've never done, you've got to do something to go somewhere you've never been, you've got to do things that you've never done, right? So maybe we ought to do something a little different around here. And we'll probably be telling you more of this as we go because really we're, you know, you know I go there and part of being even there in receive mode, you know, I received two, two prophetic words while I was there that totally confirmed things that I already know in my heart. So I know God's speaking. We just got to, we just got to get, um, get, our, get our cleat in the dirt and we got to get some grip and we got to move. Amen. So, listen, I can't tell you uh, how long it's going to take in the last place that youth ministry has home out. It took us three years, three years to even begin to get a glimpse. Um, so I can't tell you how long it's going to take, but I can tell you he's worth it and it will be worth it. And, and so part of part of this is we got to shift our thinking to, you know, th- this room is all, it's going to be too small. What are we going to do? Right. Let me maybe say this. We're going to need people to pray for people at the altar. We're going to need children's workers. We're going to need youth workers. We're going to need people to uh, teach discipleship classes. we got somewhere to go. We're going to need, and and literally I keep picturing this in my head, uh, some women that know how to get it done in prayer. You following me? So, listen, I don't know what all it's going to look like, and I don't, but but, but it's like I see the the cloud the size of a man's hand. That's maybe the best way to say it. And so, you know, for 11 months, Jen and I walked up in here and we saw a broken people. Okay? We saw a broken people and we said, you know what, our mission from day one is just to love folks. And we've tried our best to love people. And how many of you guys know that sometimes when you love people, sometimes you need to say things that they don't want to hear. Okay? But there's a part of a shepherd's heart that says, you know what, if I love them, i got to tell them. Okay? So, so listen, I, I guess, once again, I can't... Just as much as I can't make anybody in this room view, view us as their pastors, I can't, I can't make you join us in this. But my hope is, is that there's an invitation that would go out and you take it. That's my hope. You know, I got this crazy belief that, that says maybe we won't lose anybody in the process, but we'll all hop on board and we'll get running. And so that's the invitation today. And so part of that will require this. Um, that you gotta show up for battle. I'm gonna ask you to be more consistent. Uh, can I, j- I keep saying it. I'm going to shoot straight. Here we go. That's me. Whatever. Is 
The other day after Pastor Tommy came and I, in the next week, I said, hey, how many of you guys were here last week with Pastor Tommy? And people raised their hand. Then it caught me off guard and said, how many of you guys weren't here? And, and I don't know, 45% of the room raised their hand. That showed me where we're at as a church, that literally that there's a core group that's consistent and then all these other people whom I love and I think they're amazing, but they aren't consistent. What would happen really if we took that mentality and we started showing for battle what would happen, not just for numbers sake, but once again, if one can set a thousand, if two can set 10,000, then there's more power that comes with it. Amen. Amen. Yes. So, so listen, so show up for battle, bring your weapon, bring your praise. Listen, when you come in here, get hungry for God. Get hungry. Say, you know what? God is here. I want to meet with him today. Listen, if he's not, once again, if he's not here, there's no reason to come. I'm going to tell you who'd be the people that appreciate the most. The worship team. Are you with me? These people pour their hearts out into what they do. Man, join them. Amen? Join them. And don't worry about, I ain't seen my song this morning. You know, I didn't like that right there. They, you know, they show and show. They didn't play the right thing. You know, you know, I got a feeling Jesus isn't so concerned with all that. He's just glad we're worshiping. Amen. So listen, the third thing is when you shoot in the right direction, I'm going to challenge you to go home and say, God, is my heart in unity? Is my heart in unity? God, am I running in the right direction? Do I want the right thing? God, where am I at? Because watch this. It's not, it's not, um, we can, we can do number one and we can show up, but if we don't show up in unity, then we've missed it. Amen. That was much better than y'all responded. All right, here we go. So, uh, number four, we've got to be willing to change. Once again, I, I admit that's not fun, but it's worth it. Amen? So let God make you into who he wants you to be. Number five, pass on the credit. Don't worry about who's getting the glory, who's getting the honor. He, he gets it anyways, right? In fact, the Bible says that if you get you some honor here, you're not getting it when you get there. So, so you know what? Uh, uh, you know, understand the fact that Jesus sees everything and be happy that when you get to heaven, you're going to get a really good crown. That you're going to in turn do what? And put it at his feet anyways. It's still going in the same place, right? So, listen, and the last thing is just keep shooting. You, you know, listen, you come here and say, you know, I worship dad and I didn't feel nothing. Well, what about feeling in the first place? It was about honoring him. All right? Well, I read my Bible today. I didn't hear anything. Keep reading. Okay? Well, I prayed and keep praying. Right. Keep pounding on heaven. Keep doing that. Keep witnessing. Keep doing the things that we know how to do that we're called to do. And guess what? Sooner or later, that momentum is going to take over and you're going to see some pretty awesome results. Let me maybe say this and I'll be done. Are you OK? Um, look, I, I was thinking about the soccer coaches today and um, and this real simple. I think that it's not a prophetic word, anything, by the way. So but I was thinking about these guys being here with Robbie and Tammy and and I was thinking about a, a team. And, there, and there's, a, there's a process that, uh, that a team goes through. It's this. Is initially, the team forms, and then they start. Uh, then there's what you call a storming phase, where everybody's trying to figure out what's their role, what's their place. And, 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 then, and then what happens is they start norming. It's called the norming phase, where everybody begins to settle in their groove and their place. And then the last one, the fourth one of the, of the, of the steps or phases of a team, the fourth one is this, is they start performing and so, you know, really, you know, we stepped in and obviously, you know, we're here. Okay, you're here. Great. The team, the team is, is formed. We're here in the room. Now there's a storming phase and we got to figure out how we're going to do life together. We got, we got to know how to do your part. You know, in the soccer world, it's almost like this. It's almost like a guy saying, you know what? I've always been a midfielder and the guy, and the coach comes and says, you know what? But you're really a better defender. So that's where you need to be. You need, you need to be a defender. Okay, and you, you know whatever I, I was, the, I was the goalie back then. That's great, but you got butterfingers, so you know we really need you somewhere else. 
You know, whatever the process is, that listen, as, as the coach, who is the Lord Jesus, tells us, you know, here's where you're a better fit. Here's where you're a better fit. That's where the favor's at in your life. That's where the anointing in your life. And as you begin to shift and you begin to, uh, uh, once again, the, yeah, get in place, uh, the joint gets placed, when we really start uh, really norming out as a church that this is who we are, this is the direction we're going, then guess what? Then we'll start performing. And what I mean by that is that the anointing will come and the kingdom will move through us. Are you all with me? Did that make any sense? Because it made a whole lot of sense to me. All right, here we go. Let's pray, and we'll close today. In fact, just close your eyes, and I, I have to do something, because this is what my arrow was about. Listen, when I was sitting down there, my friend Israel was talking about, how, you know, he moved from Wilson, North Carolina. He's pastoring a church in Los Angeles, California. And week after week after week, he was asking people to get saved. If they want to receive Jesus. And he said, week after week, nobody responded. And he said, you know, basically in his heart, he was kind of giving up. And uh, one Sunday morning, actually, while he was preaching, a big Russian lady, got to love the Russians, right, is uh, basically stood up and hollered in the church service and interrupted and challenged him. Now, you got to know Pastor Israel's wife. She's a sweet lady, worship leader. Long story short, she chicken-winged her arm and drug her out the room. Handled it. She was security, right? When you're a young church, you don't have security. And Pastor Israel said, you know what? Man, there's no way anybody's going to get saved today. But he kept shooting. <laughs> and he asked, said, hey, who wants to be born again? And it was most people that got saved in that church, I think, thus far, right? In the service. So God moved and God proved himself faithful. So listen, I, I came up here and I said, okay, we did a few. And asked people if they wanted to get born again. And, and, and I got discouraged and I quit asking. But I want you to know that every week now, we're going to ask and we're going to make room. Listen, how can I stand here as a pastor and say, hey, bring your friends if we don't give an invitation? Okay? Anyway, so just bear with me. How can we pray and believe God touch the city if we don't make a way, right? So, listen, with all eyes closed, if you know you're here today and you know that you've never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, if you know that you've never made Him the King of your heart, in fact, we, we talked about it earlier, you're still, you're still actually sitting on the throne of your heart trying to run your own life, but you're here today and you recognize, man, I really need Him. You see that you're sinning, you know that you're separated, you know you have no peace, you know you have no joy, but today you're going, I need that life that that guy up there from Alabama keeps talking about. If you know today that you need to make Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that means this, is that you believe that Jesus Jesus is the Son of God. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, literally in your place. He took your sin upon, upon himself. And then the Bible says that he died. And three days later, he rose again. And that raising of the dead for himself provided eternal life for you and I. So if you know today, if you need that in your life, or if you walked away from him and you're backslidden, and you want to get right with him today, lift your hand, please. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks in the back. Thanks. Thanks. Go, Jesus. Amen. Nobody looking around, please. L- listen, this is a moment. Can I be, I've been in this game long enough to know when people get nervous and start looking at the person next to them, they really, they really need him. <laughs> so do me a favor. Here's how we do it where I'm from, okay? Is we're going to pray, and everybody's going to pray, and we're going to lead these people into a, a prayer to receive Jesus Christ in their heart. And then after service, you people that raise your hand, there'll be a few of us up here at the altar. We're going to pray with you if you'd like prayer, and we'll work with you through this process. Amen? Amen. Repeat this after me. Once again, it's not so much in the words as much as it is in the heart. So say, Father God, I come to you today in your Son's name, and I ask you to please... Forgive me of my sin. 
I ask you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He was risen from the dead, and He is alive. I thank you today that through His death, He provided a new life for me. So I'm asking that your spirit will come and make its home in me. Thank you for a new start. Thank you for a new beginning in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Amen. Let's pray and we'll roll out of here. Listen, if you said that prayer, there'll be a few of us. I'm going to grab a few of you guys in a minute. Um, they'll be down here if you need prayer. Man, please, please, please don't leave this place without praying for you. Yeah, even if it's something else that doesn't have anything to do with that and you need prayer. So here's, here's the qu- simple question before we run today. Is if you say yes, if you want to hop on this, on this train, if you want to get on this journey and you want to run in the kingdom direction, lift both hands. If you don't mean it, do not put your hands up. Thanks for being honest. Father, today we just thank you. Keep your hands up. Father, we just bless you and we honor you today. Father, we thank you, God, for who you are. And Father, today we just say yes, 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 God, to what you desire to do in our midst. Father, just as the title said, God, that we are willing to go where you want us to go. Father, thank you for the opportunity to commit, God, to your kingdom, to commit to the local church, to commit, God, what you're doing in this region. And so, Father, all those six things that we talked about today, Father, we give you permission to have it its way in me, God, so I might change, God, for your glory, for your namesake. Father, it's definitely not about a man. It's definitely not about our kingdom. Well, God, it's about yours. So, Father, come, God, today, God, and rest on us. Father, whatever you need to do in us today, personally and as individuals, we give you permission and access to do whatever you want to do. God, we want to be a people of a teachable spirit, God, and that we literally have the ability to hear the Holy Spirit and to do what we need to do. Uh, we, we need to obey, God, what he says. And so, Father, we bless you today. God, I bless your people. Thank you for just your touch and your hand upon their lives. Father, thank you for unity and an increase in a unity. Thank you for a shifting in the spirit, God, so we can run. In fact, Lord, I just uh, pray, God, that, that we would pivot and begin to run in the direction, God, that you want us to. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe that, say amen and put your hands together for God.